We take a closer look at the Big Ten with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. Tom, Minnesota is coming off its first loss under P.J. Fleck and has Purdue in a battle of first-year coaches. Which one emerges? Who, who would have thought a Minnesota-Purdue game would be so interesting this year? <laughs> it's, um, it's, this is a big game for both teams simply because, you know, in, in the West, clearly Wisconsin's still the top dog. And this is a, if you want to stay in that running, you need to win this game if you're either one of them. And I, I actually like Purdue. I, I think Minnesota and P.J. Fleck, is a good coach. Minnesota is going to be a good team down the year. And I still think they're a good team this year. It's just, I think a lot of their problems specifically on offense were kind of exposed last week when they lost at home to a Maryland team that was using, you know, it's, it's third string quarterback. So, and I look at Purdue who had last week off, had a week extra week to prepare for this one. Who's just been extremely explosive on offense and its defense has been sturdy, if not excellent, but I just, think that if at home with the bye week coming into this one, Purdue and Jeff Brom are going to have a little something ready for Minnesota, and I expect Purdue to win this game. You know, P.J. Fleck brings high expectations. Uh, you know, he creates that. You know, after the first month of the season, what's the read on what Minnesota has done early on? Is it surprising? Is it uh, underachieving where you expected? I think, you know, I think they're pretty much on pace for what you thought. I mean, I, I was surprised. They struggled with Buffalo in the season opener, winning 17-7, to but you never want to put too much stock in anything you see in the first game of the year. You know, there's, there's no preseason, so sometimes there's rust when you jump in. But they, they crushed a bad Oregon State team like they should. They crushed Middle Tennessee like they should. It's just I think now that they're getting into conference season, things are going to be a little more difficult, but I still think this is a team that's going to win seven, eight games and go bowling. We're talking with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com as we take a closer look inside the Big Ten. Maryland held up well under Max Bortenschlager, winning its Big Ten opener. What have the Terps done to ease that transition and make it a successful one to its third quarterback? First of all, isn't Max Bortenschlager a fantastic name? <laughs> I thought it was a German beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like It sounds like something I want to drink. So it's like, of course, I want to watch it. I, I think, you know, I think we're going to see for the rest of this point DJ Durkin, luckily, his his background, his specialty has always been defense. And I think what we're going to see with Bortenschlager in there now that they've lost you know, their top two quarterbacks to ACL injuries for the year, we're going to see a team that is going to just kind of control the ball on offense, run the ball a lot, and hope let its defense keep it in games and try to win that way. And the, the good news for Maryland is they have a running back in Ty Johnson that could really help them do that. And I think that this is a team that – it's going to be a struggle at this point now that they're down to their third. You know, they're three and one, and I think last week's win was really important because it's going to be a struggle at this point to get to bowl eligibility, simply dealing with all these injuries and the fact that Maryland still has to play Ohio State today. It's got a road trip to Wisconsin in a few weeks. It's got Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State to finish the schedule at the end of the year. So it's going to be difficult to find three more wins on the schedule. So I think last week's win was important, but I still think that with DJ Durkin and the talent that they have on that defense. This is a team that's going to be able to hang in a lot of games and could be in a position to maybe, you know, surprise somebody. Wisconsin is 4-0. Just how good are the Badgers, and will their easy schedule help or hurt them this year? Well, I think I think the Badgers are great in the second half. If they could play like they do in the second half every week, you know, in the first half of every game, they'd be a really scary team. It, it's They're probably, I mean, I think from what I've seen so far, it's, I feel safe saying they're the best team in the Big Ten West, and they're going to win that division. And you mentioned the schedule. 
there's not really anything left there besides a game against Michigan at home in Madison in mid-November to really you sit there and look and see a possibility of Wisconsin losing. And I honestly, I, I think it'll hurt them in the perception of the pollsters and fans, but it, as far as the college football playoff is concerned, I don't think it's going to be a problem. If, if Wisconsin can get through the Big Ten, if they can beat Michigan at the end of the year and then win the Big Ten title, you know, beating whoever comes out of the East, it's going to be in the playoff. I don't care who it's, what its non-conference schedule was. There's no way in heck that the conference, the committee would keep out the Big Ten champion at that point. So I think it's it's a concern as far as getting one of those New Year's Six Bowls if they don't win the conference. But as far as national title aspirations, as long as Wisconsin takes care of business, it's, it's going to be just fine. Talking with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. Ohio State had a bumpy first month. The Big Ten East, a very crowded, very talented. How can the Buckeyes overcome their early season struggles? Yes, stop me if you've heard this story before where Ohio State loses early, everybody freaks out about it, and then the next thing you know, it's peeling off nine, ten wins in a row because that's kind of what it looks like. I feel like after that Oklahoma loss, it was the schedule was set up perfectly for the Buckeyes. You know, they get, they follow that up with games against Army, UNLV, and Rutgers, which are three teams that Ohio State should beat. It allows them to work out some kinks and figure some things out and get ready for conference season. And I, I think that this is still an Ohio State team that everybody's kind of just sleeping on a little bit because of that loss to Oklahoma and because of how rough the offense looked in that one. And I think that this is a team that going into the rest of the conference play, you know, they, they still get to play Penn State. They still get to play Michigan. And I think this is still a team capable of winning the Big Ten and getting back to the playoff. It'd be just like a few years ago when they lost early and looked horrible against Virginia Tech and then they ended up winning the national title. Will Michigan's defense be able to see it through any quarterback issues this team is having and maybe going through? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think the defense is, is excellent. I think that, you know, honestly – with the injury of Wilton Spate and going to John O'Corn, I really don't see that much of a drop-off if there's any real significant drop-off. I mean, obviously, Wilton Spate won the job. So, he, you know, he beat O'Corn all summer in, in camp for a reason. So there was something there that even though Spate's performance wasn't quite living up to what we saw from him last year. But I still think O'Corn, who had a fantastic season, you know, as a freshman at Houston before he kind of, you know, had, had some rough years after that and ended up transferring – I still think that what Jim Harbaugh looks for from his quarterbacks and what he wants to do on offense, unless Jim Harbaugh's got Andrew Luck, the quarterback is typically not the onus of his offense. It's mostly the running game and, you know, it's play action, tight ends, that kind of thing. And I think O'Corn is perfectly suited to that. And I think that O'Corn actually gives Michigan another dynamic on offense and that he's more mobile than Spade is. So it brings a little, it gives you a little something more you can do than what Michigan could have done with Spate. Maybe that opens things up and actually helps out. Did you see anything in Michigan State's win last week that makes you believe the Spartans may have turned a corner? No. I, my, my biggest concern with Michigan State, honestly, on offense, they've, they've been turnover happy at times. So Brian Lewerke and, and LJ Scott's been fumbling, and that's been a problem throughout his career. I just, I feel like Michigan's, it, it used to be with Michigan State's defense being so absolutely dominating that they could get away with that kind of stuff on offense sometimes. And I don't think this defense is near what the old Michigan State defenses were for to, to, to be able to cover for its offense when it makes those mistakes. So I see a Michigan State team that's definitely improved over what we saw last year. I mean, it's already matched its win total from last season at this point. It's just I don't know if this is a Michigan State team that's really going to be competing for anything. I mean, it's it should get to a bowl game, but I don't expect much more than 6-6, six 7-5 six, at this point, to be completely honest. 
Are you surprised that LJ Scott right now is averaging just 3.8 yards per carry? Uh, yes and no. I, I think, you know, it's the offensive line has been, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been horrible. It's just kind of been an average offensive line. And I think that LJ Scott has never really been the running back that's going to create for himself. I think he's one of those backs that if you create the hole for him, he finds the hole. He, he knows what he, you know, he's got the football IQ to find the hole and to be able to get those four or five, six yard bursts. But he's never really been somebody that strikes me as the big play threat or the guy who can turn nothing into something. So he's dependent on his line, and unless his offensive line is opening up those holes for him, he's never going to have huge numbers. We take a closer look inside the Big 12 with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Tom Fernelli. Oklahoma is back in action right now after a bye week. What has stood out most about Lincoln Riley's first month on the job? I mean, it's there, there hasn't been a drop-off. I, I honestly expected, you know, <clears throat> with Bob Stoops' retirement so quick, you know, early before the season started and, and Lincoln Riley coming in, even though I thought Lincoln Riley had a chance to be a really good coach, I just figured there's no way you could go from Bob Stoops to anybody as a head coach for their first time in their career and there not be some kind of slight step back, even if it's small. But you just haven't seen it. It, it really – Oklahoma's come out and looked exactly like it did last year and looked exactly like it did the year before. There hasn't been any real difference, and maybe some of that has to do with, you know, Baker Mayfield has, is playing a big role in that. But this is just still a team that – it's dominating. I mean, even against Ohio State on the road, it was only a 15-point win. So on the score, it doesn't look nearly as dominating. But if you watched the game, Oklahoma was in control pretty much throughout. You know, you t- the playoff committee always mentioned those words game control when they're looking at the way they rank teams. Oklahoma displayed a lot of game control in that win over Ohio State. That dominated Tulane. It looked really good against Baylor, even though the score was close. Oklahoma, you still thought, was in control of that game. It crushed UTEP to start the year. It's just, it's been a really impressive performance. And I, I have to give Lincoln Riley a lot of credit because I thought there was going to be a step back, but I just haven't seen it. This game, interestingly enough, Iowa State, Oklahoma, that's underway, features two coaches in their early 30s, uh, or that got started in their early 30s. How far has Iowa State come in a short time under Matt Campbell? I think, you know, I think there's very encouraging signs this quickly. I mean, Iowa State is not an easy place to win at. And I think history, you know, history shows that. And, I, I, I loved Matt Campbell out of Toledo. I think when he was still at Toledo, he was one of those coaches that I was sitting there thinking, you know, somebody needs to hire this guy. And I think Illinois, in 2012, hired Tim Beckman. They should have hired his offensive coordinator, Matt Campbell, because Beckman went to Champaign without Campbell, and we saw how things worked out there for him. So I, I think Campbell's got Iowa State in a good position where they're going to be a team that in the Big 12, that instead of being the doormat that they have been so much recently, is going to be a team that's going to have to be taken a bit more seriously. While it's never going to be a Big Ten title contender, this is going to be a team, I think, that's getting back to that, you know, going to a bowl game and competing for bowl games every year, which I think if you're an Iowa State fan, you'll be happy with. Talk with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. The bye week comes at a good time for Oklahoma State, which suddenly looks mortal. What's happened? I, I wish I knew the exact answer. I think some of it is just teams are more ready for it now. When you see what Oklahoma State's doing to other opponents on a weekly basis before they come play you, you're, you're putting a little extra prep. You know, you're getting a little fired up for it. And I think on the other side, I think that defense, which was just absolutely amazing through the first couple weeks of the season, starting to come a bit back down to earth now that it's entering Big 12 play and it's playing, you know, it's gonna, it's dealing with a lot more explosive and offenses that'll spread you out and air it out all day. And I think that 
the defense is maybe not it's just not handling it as well as it was in its non-conference schedule and I think that's putting the offense in a position where even though early in the year Oklahoma State's offense was scoring in every possession I think it's in a different situation now where it feels like it has to score on every possession and there's a big difference there mentally in what that could do to you and it leads to mistakes and I think we've seen that a little bit with Mason Rudolph at times and I think that's really what it's come down to at this point where the Oklahoma state sometimes Mason Rudolph sometimes feels like he has to be perfect and it's kind of messing with his head and it's causing him to make decisions. He wasn't making earlier in the year and it's putting Oklahoma state in bad positions. West Virginia has had some great moments on defense in the last couple of years, but this year so far having trouble stopping the run. Why? The defensive line is not doing a good enough job, plain and simple. I mean, they had some they had some good players on that defensive line that are gone this year. In fact, I mean, they lost that West Virginia defense lost a ton of players from last year's unit, and I knew there was going to be something. And I think we're, something was going to drop off. And I think we've seen where it is. It's that stopping the run game where they've really struggled. Defensive line isn't really plugging the gaps. The linebackers, you know, the offensive line is getting to the second level and taking linebackers out of the play, and it's allowing for big runs from the opponents. And I think that's really it's it's. Sounds really simple and simplistic. That's really all it is. It's it's not something you know. It's not a certain player. It's not certain you know scheme or anything. It's just they're not being able to shed blocks right now, and it's tearing them up on defense. TCU has been better as an underdog in recent years. Now that the Horn Frogs are ranked eighth in the nation, can they handle success? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, this is you know. We look at Gary Patterson's history and what he's done at TCU. Last year was obviously a you know a disappointment for TCU, but this is still a team that was winning 10, 12 games a year for a couple of years in a row there not too long ago. It's a team that was you know winning, sharing a Big Ten title with Baylor, a team that was competing for you know playoff spots. I, I think this is a team that's perfectly ready for success, and I think this is a team that you know if it wins today against West Virginia and it keeps going on, this is a team you know it's. Somebody you have to take very seriously, especially in the Big 12, where now it's the situation where the Big 12 has the title game back, and you don't have to win the conference outright. It's just if you finish in the top two of that conference, you're playing in the title game, and then if you win that, obviously, especially if you end up beating Oklahoma in that game, you're definitely in consideration for the playoffs. So I think this is a team you have to take seriously. There's talent there, and they have one of the best coaches in the country running it. So it's it's always a threat in my mind. Kenny Hill has looked very good so far, but can he prove he's more than just a first-half wonder? You go back to even his days at Texas A&M, and that seems to be his M.O. Yeah, that's my biggest concern with them on offense. It's it's Kenny Hill. You know, he's played well to start the season, but he's still, you know, he's still turning the ball over, not, not as often as he he has in the past, but he's still turning the ball over a little free, too frequently for my taste. And I do worry that that's going to end up hurting TCU in the long run. And I think a lot of it will come down to, frankly, whether Kenny Hill, you know, now that he's, you know, he's at the end of his college career, whether he's figured some things out and matured and gotten better as a player, or if he's going to revert to some old habits that got him in trouble before. So it's, it's a lot comes down to your quarterback. And I think if you're a TCU fan, at least that part could be a little scary. You look at Texas tonight against Kansas State at home. How much of a test will Jesse Ertz provide for the Longhorns defense, which seems to have looked better in recent weeks? I think, you know, if you're Tom Herman and and you're happy with your defense and you'd like to see the improvement, I think you're also really happy to see Kansas State this week simply because Bill Snyder's teams always have a way of letting you know what you still need to work on. Bill, Bill Snyder identifies your weaknesses and he tries to take advantage of it. And he's been doing it for so long and he's been doing an excellent job of it. And I think that this, this tonight's game for Texas is going to be a very good litmus test to see 
how far they've actually come and what they still have left to do because Kansas State, Jesse Ertz and that team, they there's it's never a team that you're going to sit there and say it's super exciting to watch and is a big play machine, but they just steadily grind you down every week. And Jesse Ertz is that kind of quarterback. He's in that Colin Klein mold that we've seen, you know, from Kansas State in the past where he's just, you know, he's he's a load. And he's not going to kill you with his arm, but he can beat you with his arm if you don't respect it. If you load up too much to stop the run, they can pop one over you really quickly and catch you off guard. And I just think that Kansas State is a really good litmus test to find out how good Texas is actually going to be for the rest of the season. Tommy, enjoy the day. As always, many, 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 a million thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.